those of you that are like me uh, and are kind of hard with names, I'll repeat mine. My name is Alex West. Um, I am from Paragould, Arkansas. Born and raised there. Actually lived, born in that hospital. Lived in the same house from birth until I got married. Uh, so um, that's my hometown. That is, and that's where we live now. And if you notice me focusing in this direction, it's because my wife, Allison, is over here and our two kids, uh, Coy and Journey, they are my main support group. And so I tend to, when I preach, I gravitate to wherever she is because she is my person. Um, and also with us uh, is Sarah. She is our weekend child that we call her. Uh, she's a foreign exchange student from Belgium that is staying with my wife's parents for the, the school year. They live in Marmaduke, and most of Sarah's friends are in Perigold, so she crashes on our couch on the weekend um, so she can hang out with those friends. So she is our weekend child, um, and we treat her just the same, um, and we're so thankful. I'm so thankful to have this support group uh, with me. No matter what I do, where I go, um, they are going to be there to support me, to love me, and to be my ministry partner. Um, Allison is my number one supporter. She is, uh, she's involved with um, every student activity, every student event that we do. She, um, she works with the girls um, because I strongly believe that I should not be alone with another girl in our group. Uh, and so if a girl comes to me and wants to talk, that's fine. I love that. But Allison's going to be with me. And so um, she is there to... Uh, if those girls need one-on-one -on -one support, they can reach out to her. She loves on them just as they are their own. They are our own, uh, and so so thankful for for her and um, our my family, um, and also thankful for this opportunity uh, to even come today in, in view of a call. Um, I am so thankful that you guys would even think uh, of of me to. Uh, possibly fill this position, and so I'm looking forward to seeing what God is going to do with this. Um, if it's me, that's great. If it's not me, trust in what God is saying to you today and, and believe that um, it's not going to hurt my feelings because I don't want to get in the way of what God is trying to do within this church because okay, if it's not me, then I'm going to step aside and let someone else come in, but if it is me, then I'm going to accept that and follow through with that um, because that's what God has called me to do. And so today I want to uh, share something that has been on my heart for, for a while. Uh, I've taught this to our students and our adults at our church. Um, it's discipleship. Can anybody give me the definition of discipleship? Don't, don't be scared to say it out loud because this is your chance. Anybody know what discipleship means? Students? What is it? Mentoring. Yes. So discipleship is a, a sense of being mentored or mentoring other people. Uh, being a disciple means that you are saying that I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to be devoted to his teachings. I want to be a lifelong learner of Jesus. And so that's what it looks like to be a disciple. And so I think uh, for a lot of churches, we have overcomplicated discipleship. Uh, when we think, and when we think of something being overcomplicated, what do we tend to do? We kind of tend to step back. We, we're like, I, I don't know if I can do that. I, I don't know if, if that's me. Uh, I, I don't think I'm qualified for that. Uh, and trust me, I have been in that same situation. 
When God called me to preach, I told him, no, that's not me. I can't do that. I'm not qualified. I, I, I don't know enough. But what I've learned over the years is that God has equipped me for the season that I'm in. So if God is calling you to be a disciple, then trust in that. If God is calling you to make disciples, trust in that and follow him and he will equip you. He will lead you. He will guide you. And so what I've tried to do to help our students is simplify discipleship. Now, is this the only way to look at it? No. There's countless of ways to look at discipleship, but I've tried to narrow it down to kind of four stages. Uh, That way, it gives students and adults to look at these stages and kind of see where they are in their discipleship process. Uh, So those stages are attend, acknowledge, I think it's up there, consume, and disciple. And so we can kind of look at those and see which section we are, which of the process that we are at, that way we can further that process. And this is something that's going to be continual all throughout our life. Um, It's going to have points where you'll start. There's going to be points where you'll stop. There'll be spots where you will restart something and continue it again. Uh, But we're going to look at those and try to kind of narrow that down that way we can hopefully have a, a better understanding of where we are spiritually. That way we can start tomorrow off on a better understanding of where we need to go and how we need to continue that process of being a disciple. So the, where we get this from is a very common scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 18, not 18, 28, verses 16 through 20. This is really the last command that Jesus gives the disciples before he ascends into heaven. So he sits down and he's talking to them. He's given them a whole bunch of other instructions, but he tells them this, and it starts in verse 16. And um, I, I'm reading out of the CSB translation, so if my version is a little different than yours, I'm sorry. Um, I just found this to be the best translation for me to understand, uh, and just like you found the one for you. But it's the preaching that's teaching the same thing. So there's just some different words. Verse 17 says, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am always with you to the end of the age. So verse 19 is where we get being a disciple and making disciples, because he clearly states that we are to go and make disciples. Now, he didn't just tell Like, yes, this was a command for um, the disciples of Jesus. But this also applies to us today. Because of the disciples' faithfulness in following through with this command, we are now seeing what their outcome. Because if they would have listened to everything else except for this last part, that we would have missed out on everything. If they would have never went to other people that didn't know Jesus and discipled them and tell them what they witnessed, we wouldn't have what we have today. 
And so we need to be thankful for those disciples for fulfilling that command. And so that is our responsibility too as well, is to continue that and to carry that on. And so as we look at our discipleship process, it starts with attend. So attend is the easiest stage to have, to be in. It's the one where you're just simply being present. You're here, um, whether maybe your boyfriend or your girlfriend invited you, uh, you, you brought your kids here, or maybe you've started attending because your parents uh, are here, whatever that looks like. Or maybe you know there's food after the service, or there's going to be food at an event. Whatever that is, it's, it's something that draws someone to that, to just attend. Um, some students just want to be with their friends, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what I tell our students all the time, and our adults, is you are here for a reason. You have a purpose. God has a plan for you. You just don't understand it yet. You think, oh, I'm just here to hang out with my friends. But in reality, you are here on purpose. God has a plan for this. It's just going to take time for you to understand what that is. And so over time, as we attend, um, what will happen, hopefully happen, is you will get to grow a connection with somebody. That, that connection will get stronger, and um, yes, you want to be here for that person, but you're getting more and more time with that person, so now you're going to start focusing on your surroundings. You're, you're going to move from the attend phase into the acknowledge stage, so where that you start to acknowledge, you start to look around, and you say, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I, I, I need more than my own faith, my faith in myself. And you start paying attention to the, the teachings, the lessons. You're getting more out of, uh, of each time that you're with, at service or whenever you're with someone discipling you. And you start to make that acknowledgement that you need Jesus into your life. And so as you acknowledge that, you understand that you can't do this on your own anymore. Uh, but a few things are going to happen. You're going to come to a crossroad. You're going to come to a point to where you're going to have to make a decision. Whether you going, are going to pursue a relationship with Jesus or you're going to pursue a relationship with the world. And so once you make that decision, that's really where you determine if you continue on through your process or you step back into the attend phase. And whichever decision you make, there's going to be ups and downs. As much as I would love to say, as soon as you get saved, everything is perfect, it's not. Um, I've been saved for a while now, since 2008, and has everything been perfect? Absolutely not. Um, I, I've had really good times and I've had really bad times. But the only difference is between me and someone that hasn't been saved is I have someone to help me get through those bad times. And I have someone that is leading me through the good times as well. And so we, we also see this in, in scripture to where we see kind of the, the consequences of acknowledging Jesus and the consequences of denying Jesus. So we see that in Matthew chapter 10, verses 
32 through 39, where Jesus is speaking, he says, Therefore, anyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father. It's a good thing, right? We are acknowledging him, so he is acknowledging us. Then verse 33 kind of takes a turn. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my Father. So we see the pros and the cons. And then he goes on to say, Don't assume that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. The one who loves the father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it, and anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. That seems pretty harsh, to be honest. If this is your first time reading this, you're like, hold on a second. I thought Jesus was supposed to bring peace and love and care. Yes, he did that. But he also knew the where he was going to be at, the, the generation that was, the context, the, the people of that time, he knew that whenever he came to earth, that if those people accepted him in that time, it was going to cause division within the household. Because you had people that were saying that Jesus was preaching heresy, that Jesus was not the son of God. There were so many beliefs of Jesus at the time, and they were strict beliefs that if someone was to say, hey, I even went to listen to Jesus preach, they would pretty much be shunned by their family, cast out, causing division, and that is what Jesus knew would happen. He was warning them of what would happen so that you may be prepared for if that ever happened to you. And so that still applies to today. We have, and I've been around students that have come from a household of non-believers. And they grow their faith, they accept Jesus into their life, and they go home to non-believers where it causes a division. I've seen where students have had problems with this, where they've come, uh, come back to the youth and were like, hey, I'm really struggling at home. My parents really don't want to talk to me because I'm here. And you just have to encourage them through that. You have to work with that through them. And I've also seen students that come from non-believer, families of non-believers make an impact, a huge impact on their families. We have a student now in our group um, that is actually my cousin. And my, my fam- most of my family does not attend church. Um, not that they are against it. They just, they just don't. And so she has, uh, since I've been at Cross Points, um, since 2021, she's been coming. She's been a part of our group. And over the last year, her, um, her dad has started coming to church. Her grandparents have started coming to church. Her aunt has started coming, which is my cousin. And we are seeing her impact her family in a positive way. Since she takes that in, she consumes all that she can when she's with us, she takes that home and she shares 
and she's happy about it. She's, she wants to share with them what she is learning each and every time that we're together, and that has made an impact on them. As much as I'd love to take credit for that, I can't, because that is up to her and her choices on what she wants to share, what she wants to show them. So it's, it was up to her. So she made the choice that she was willing to sacrifice causing a division within her house to make sure that her family members heard about Jesus. And so we're going to see pros and cons come from either way, but the pros, in my opinion, outweigh the cons. Yes, there's going to be people looking at us, uh, because as, uh, as a, a Christian, we are under a microscope. Not, to, not for people to find what we're doing good, but to see what we do wrong. When we go to school, when we go to work, people aren't looking for the positive. They're looking for the negative. They, they want to they make us out to be hypocrites. And so they focus on that. So we're under a microscope. So we have to watch what we do. And so that is why it is so important for us to be cautious of our choices and our decisions on how we live out our day daily lives. But we have to remember, like verse, Jesus said in verse 32, therefore everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. To me, that outweighs everything. For me to be able to acknowledge him to others, knowing that he is acknowledging me to his Father, it, it, it helps me in those decisions and those processes where I feel uncomfortable in a certain situation of proclaiming Jesus. It, it helps me understand and know that, hey, he notices me and he's acknowledging that at the same time. And so once we go through that acknowledging phase, we accept Jesus into our lives, we come to a spot in our lives where we just want to consume everything consume every knowledge, every book, every commentary, whatever that looks like. We want to consume it all. In reality, it should consume our lives. So once we get saved, baptized, follow those steps, there should come a point to where we want to get rid of our old selves and walk in newness. And so what that looks like is consuming ourselves with God's word instead of consuming ourselves with worldly things around us. Because whatever we are consuming ourselves with is what, is what we're going to have our identity in. So if we consume um, all this negative stuff that we can find on social media, that's, we're going to become a negative person. We're going to be constantly depressed. We're going to be sad. We're going we're to be worrying all the time because that is what, is, what we're consuming. But if we would flip that, and consume God's word, things would turn out so much better. And we see this in Romans chapter 5, chapter 15, verse 4, where we see uh, the importance of Scripture. It says, For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through encouragement from the Scriptures. So during this stage of consuming, we are learning to do faith in reality. And so we are looking towards other people for instruction. Uh, a lot of churches do really well at this stage, and some churches do really bad. I've seen churches 
pretty much baptize someone and say, you're free to go. Hope you, hope you figure it out because there's no discipleship. Because discipleship should be an essential part of the foundation of the church. And I've, unfortunately, that has not happened in all churches. And so and unless there are people in our churches that are willing to disciple others, those people will not get discipled. They will be set out on their own to all the many and vast resources that we have and try to figure it out. It's like someone told me one time, uh, if you ever go to like a, a conference or um, an all-day event of where you're just getting knowledge, it feels like you're drinking out of a fire hydrant. You open that valve up and it's just gushing out. And sometimes you cannot process all that at once. If you have so much coming at you with no one to help you kind of talk about it, to, you know, have questions about it, you're going to get stuck. You're going to be like, I can't process all this information, so I'm going to stop. Because if I keep on going, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And so that's why it's important to, while we're in this stage, to try to find someone that is willing to disciple you. Someone that is willing to walk with you during that journey of understanding uh, what, what the Bible is saying, what God is saying to you, because this is a whole new world. This is a whole new thing that you are trying to learn all at once. Uh, so there are many different ways that we can do that. And so I personally used, and I think someone told me that the students use this, is the SOAP Bible study. Uh, so it's just an abbreviation where you can write down scriptures. Um, I use the, the HEAR method, same concept. Uh, so it's highlight, explain, apply, respond. And so I've, I've used that one for a long time. There's countless commentaries that we can see. There's podcasts, there's YouTube videos. We live in a society, in a world, to where we have so many resources that we are... Um, that have, we have available to us in the palm of our hand. But instead, we mindlessly scroll through Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever you th can think of. We choose to scroll through that. And I'm, I'm part of it. Um, I, I love watching videos. Uh, so my thing before, uh, I don't know if the students may not remember, it was Vine. Does anybody remember Vine? Yeah, that was my thing. It was five-second videos and I loved it. And then they got rid of it. And so I'm stuck watching uh, Instagram reels and TikToks. So I get stuck in a loop of that sometimes whenever I feel like I want to just kind of not do anything, just kind of let my mind coast. Uh, and then I get to a point to where I'm like, I've wasted so much time. When in reality, I could have been using that to study, to read more, to build stronger relationships with my family, with those around me. So it's all about our choices. In this stage of, that we need to consume, we have the choice of what we consume. And then we should get to a, state, a point in that to where we start to fulfill the command that Jesus has laid on us to make disciples. So we have consumed the knowledge. We are, have a, a clear understanding. And now we are seeking out someone to disciple we're asking God, God, lace at least one person on my heart that I can disciple. And this is not something that to, to do so that you can boast about your knowledge. This is something that you do to be 
with someone, to disciple somebody, to love on someone, to care for them as they go through the same thing that you went through. So you use your experiences, your knowledge, uh, whatever that looks like, and you apply that to your discipleship of that person. And so that is the ultimate goal is for us to be uh, disciples and to make disciples. It's not... The, the goal for, for us is not to consume everything and put it on a shelf like a trophy. It is to consume everything and share it with other people. Other people that need to hear the gospel proclaimed. They need that. And if we keep it to ourselves, we are going to fail the next generation. Because if we keep everything, if we don't share, if we keep it in these walls and we keep it on our shelves, the next generation is not going to know what the gospel is. And so it's our responsibility to share that with those people and share that with the younger generation, share that with our generation, whatever generation you were in, so that that may continue on just as the disciples did in their time. So it's up to us to do that. And then, now that you are finished, you start again. As you are discipling those people, you are attending with them. Maybe it's a breakfast, maybe it's a a basketball game, football game, whatever that looks like, you are attending with them. You're being present with them. And then there comes a point to where you may acknowledge something like, hey, I feel like God is calling you to this. Not to say that you're some prophet or anything, but... Once you get a connection with somebody, you can kind of get a sense of who they are and what their talents are, um, what they're good at. And you say, hey, I, th- I think this may be something that you want, might want to pursue. And so you help them acknowledge that. And then you continue to consume. You never stop. You will continually be a learner of the gospel, of God's word. That is a never-ending process. And then you find another person and do the same thing. It just keeps on going. And then you, you can look back and you can see in your life where you were at different stages. So for me, my attend phase was kind of on and off as a kid. I didn't grow up in church. Uh, we went um, like on special occasions when I was a kid. Uh, not that my parents were against it, but they were busy. My dad worked nights. And my mom had to take care of two boys, which um, is crazy enough. I have, an older, I have two older brothers, actually. Uh, one of them that lived with us, he's five years older than me and twice my size. So it was a hassle trying to keep up with him not hurting me. And so uh, my mom had that responsibility and she did a great job. Um, I'm so thankful for both of my parents. Um, they are the reason that I, who I am today. But like I said, I didn't really start attending church faithfully until 2000, October 16, 2007, which was the day I started dating Allison. She was the reason that really my spiritual journey started. Our first date was at the fall festival at her church, uh, Life Baptist Church, and um, I just wanted to attend with her. We went to two different schools. She went to Marmaduke. I went to Tech. I couldn't drive yet because I was 15. And so we had to rely on our parents to get us places. 
And in my head, I knew that my parents wouldn't say no to taking me to church. Because if they did, I'd be like, hold on, that's not good. And so I, I used that. I, I used that to just chase the pretty girl. And so I, I, I had only one focus was to get to spend time with Allison. So as time went on, um, I got plenty of time with her, and I started to acknowledge that I needed more. I started listening to what the teachers were saying, what the preacher was saying, and I acknowledged that I needed Christ in my life. And then in April of 2008, I got saved and baptized, and whenever that started, that jump started my, uh, my consumption. I had a hunger and thankfully, there were adults in that church that were willing to invest in me as a student. If it wasn't for them, it probably would have taken me a lot longer to get where I am today. And so because of the adults that were in my life at the time, as I was consuming, asking questions, they were leading and guiding me, they got to a point to where we were planning a youth Sunday. Uh, the, the, the goal was the, the students were going to take over everything about the Sunday morning service. So that was greeters, um, taking up the offering, sound, lights, uh, singing, and preaching. And so we're sitting in this circle. He's giving out jobs. I'm looking at the ground because I didn't really want to do anything. And he says, Alex, you're going to preach. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> Out of our whole group, I felt the less qualified for that. I was like, I'm the newest one. Why are you telling me? But he knew something about me that I didn't because he had been going through that discipleship phase. He had been leading and guiding students for longer than maybe, probably I've been alive. And so he told me that and I come back with the, no, I'm not. So I ended up doing it. Um... I spent several nights working on my message. I had probably five or six pages full of notes, of things I wanted to say front and back. I don't have big handwriting either, so small handwriting. And so I called him. I said, I need you to help me figure out this. And so he's like, come over. So he invites me over to his house some random night. Um, he is, he works at Marmaduke School District. I think he was the, uh, the principal at this time, the high school principal. So he had more things on his mind than helping me um, figure this out. Go through, really decipher what I had come up with uh, for my first message. So we sat at his dining room table. I spread those uh, notes out. He helped me kind of compose everything. I had another set where I was writing everything down. I practiced it a couple times, and then the youth Sunday came, and I preached the best five-minute sermon I've ever preached. <laughs> I got done. I was shaking. I thought I was going to throw up before um, because I was not a person that could speak in front of people. Um, in high school, I took a, co a communications class. I didn't even last a minute. And I was already done. And so five minutes go by, feel like an eternity. And I get done. I go to sit back down. And that's where I felt God call me to preach. 
This was in 2011. I did not answer that call until several years later because I disqualified myself. I told myself I wasn't ready. I told myself that it wasn't me. I said I was unqualified, and I ran from it. Whenever I started to run from that, I slipped back into the attend phase. I started just showing up and checking the box. Like, yes, I was here. I was here that Wednesday. I was here that Sunday. I was here that Sunday night. And there are so many people in our churches today that are back in that spot of just attending because they are scared to continue on that process. They don't know how to do it. They don't know what to do. But in reality, you are going to be equipped as you go. And so here I am today. Um, Years go by. um, We get to the point to where we are sitting at church. We drive home and we acknowledge that we need more. So we started to seek out a new church home. And I'm not saying that if you were stuck in that, that you need to leave and go find a new church. What I'm saying is that you've got to get to the point to where you acknowledge that you need more than just checking off an attendance box. And so we began to seek out a new church home, and we ended at Rector First Baptist Church, where we got a jump start back in our spiritual lives. We, um, when we got there, um, I guess since we were young, the, the student pastor come, and he said, I want you to be part of the students. I was like, well, why? And he's like, I don't know, I just got this feeling. So I started, um, that was 2016. Yeah, I'm looking at Allison because she's my, my other half of my brain. Um, 2016, started working with the students. He gave me a super simple job. He said, I want you to lead games on stage. I was like, okay, I can do that. So we had on-screen games. We had upfront games that I got to lead those students. And as I was doing that, I was building relationships with them. And I was listening to the messages. I was consuming. I was back in the consuming stage. And then I started teaching classes. I started uh, to, to teach the Sunday school class. And then uh, every once in a while, he'd rotate me in as uh, preaching on Sunday not Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. So as that began, I started to um, consume more and acknowledge that, hey, this is the calling that God has laid on my life so long ago. I guess it's time for me to pursue that. And so uh, in 2018, 19, in that area, I surrendered to ministry. I didn't know where God was leading me at the time. I just went to my pastor and I said, hey, I feel like I'm being called to ministry. He looked at me in the eyes and he said, it's about time. And I was like, you could have told me that. That would have been great. And so as we began that process in 2019, I got hired at Rector First Baptist Church as their student pastor. Um, First year went great. I was working with uh, my mentor, and then 2020 hit, and it was chaos. Just like everyone else, it was chaos. But mine was a little different. Uh, My mentor got called to work at the Baptist Convention, the Arkansas Baptist Convention, so he left. And um, my best friend that was the youth pastor at Rector moved to New York, and I was alone 
I was, I was at this place to where I had these people investing in me, and then they leave me. I was like, what, why would you guys do that to me? And so I'm looking around trying to find people uh, to, to invest in me because in reality, you cannot invest in others on an empty tank. If you were investing in people, you need to be invested in at the same time. And so I was seeking that out. And unfortunately, the pastor that came in did not do that. Um, there was some complications there. And so we ended up leaving and searching out a, a new church home where we ended at Cross Points Baptist Church in Paragould, which is a small church plant, which was a whole new world. We were at a church that was kind of like this, that's been well-established to a church that had been going for seven years. So it was a start from scratch. No students, you figure it out. I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. So it's a whole new world. But I've learned so many things throughout those, those, uh, those times in ministry for a reason. God had a purpose for each one of those seasons, and I just had to seek that out. So for each season, I've seen a pastor that I want to strive to be. I've seen a pastor that I didn't want to strive to be. And I've seen a pastor love and care and guide others uh, in their congregation. And I've learned how to, to do church, um, kind of the administrative role, because in a church plant, you do everything. You're not just in one position, you do everything. And so as a student pastor, the van driver, uh, the sound guy, graphic design guy, it was all under this umbrella of responsibilities. And I've learned those things to apply them to my ministry. And so I want to end today with asking you the question of what stage are you in? What stage do you feel like you are in? And be honest with yourself. So we're going to have a time of invitation. And during this time, I want you to seek that out. I want you to focus on what God is trying to say to you in this time. And really seek out and understand what stage you are in during this moment in your life. Whether you are here simply attending or you are getting to the point to where you're acknowledging what, that you need more, that you want more, that you desire more. Maybe you're in the consume stage to where you're consuming everything, but you're kind of scared to take that next step into discipleship. Or maybe you are making that transition into finding someone to disciple and you need to seek out at least one person that you need to work one-on-one -on -one with, to disciple. Not so that you can boast about the knowledge that you have, but so that you can love on that person and guide them through their journey. So at this time, I just want you guys to bow your heads and, and think about that.
and find whatever prayer posture that you are comfortable with and seek out that answer. If you want to come to the altar, come to the altar, lay it down. Ask God, who do you want me to disciple? Is it time for me to stop just attending and accept you into my life? Have I accepted you into my life and I'm ready to consume everything that comes at me? Or am I ready to make other disciples, to disciple other people?